Good morning, Restoration. I hope you're doing well today. So right now, we are in a preaching series called We Are the Church. And this is a series in which we're looking at a passage that is very dear to us at Restoration and to all the other Anglican churches in the upper Midwest, Acts chapter 2. And here we see a snapshot of the early church. And we want to make sure that we're doing everything that they are doing. We want the habits that they're doing. We want the values that they're doing. We want the life that they are living. And so a couple weeks ago, we looked at the fact that this was a community that was fully scriptural, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers of the people of God. And we want to be just like that. We want to be completely immersed in the stories of Jesus. We want to be fully scriptural as well. And then last week, we looked at the fact that they were a fully sacramental church, that they were a church that believed that matter matters, that God shows forth his grace to us through things like water, the waters of baptism and the bread and the wine at the table. And we want to be just like that. We want to be like the, the Acts 2 church who is breaking bread with one another. And then today, we're looking at the fact that this was a church that's full of the Holy Spirit that they saw the Holy Spirit move in very profound and powerful ways, that there were people coming into their congregation from all sorts of different backgrounds, that there was reconciliation that was happening there. The Holy Spirit was bringing people together in powerful and beautiful ways, and we want to be just like that. We also want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Well, today, friends, we're going to be looking at a Holy Spirit passage uh, more closely. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 and following. And this is a passage that comes from a much larger passage. In fact, it comes from a sermon that Jesus preached, uh, chapters 14 through 17. And this is a message that Jesus gave to his disciples right before he was handed over to the authorities and killed. And so what Jesus is doing here in this moment is he's preparing his disciples for what's about to come. And he's encouraging them. What he's doing is, he's, well, he's not just encouraging them, but he's also giving them insight into what's about to happen, uh, what life is going to look like after his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And he's giving them parting words. He's giving them final instructions. And as he's doing so, we sort of see these, these two tones of his words, of his discussion, of his sermon uh, to the apostles. First, we hear this tone of difficulty that he's communicating to them. He's telling them very clear, honest things. He's saying, one of you is about to betray me. Another one of you is about to, to deny me. I myself am about to be captured and handed over to the authorities. And what we hear Jesus saying is, you are going to be full of sorrow. So that's one tone that we hear. But we also hear a tone of hope in Jesus' voice. He says, yes, you will be full of sorrow, but your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. You see, Jesus acknowledges the difficulties, but he's also so eager and excited to talk about the joy. He says, you are about to receive joy. You are about to receive power. You are about to receive peace. And he says, no one is going to be able to take that away from you. Isn't that just incredible to think that Jesus is able to speak with such boldness and clarity and truth to his disciples, to promise them peace and power and joy in a way that's never going to be able to be taken away from them? And this is the fun part. At the end of Jesus' sermon, he says that these words are actually for us as well. There's a moment in which he pauses towards the end of his sermon. And he says, all of this that I've just been talking about, these are not just for you here in this room, but these are all for the future generations who are going to believe after you. In other words, Jesus wants you to know, here, now, and today, that he still loves to turn his sorrow 
to turn our sorrow into joy. So how does he do it? How does Jesus do that? How does he take our sorrow and turn it to joy? How does he take our our hostility, not our hospitality, our hostility, our violence, how does he take our violence and turn it into peace? How does he take our confusion and our our anxiety and turn it into, into purpose and passion? How does he take our destructive habits of sin and turn it into righteous living? Well, he does so, friends, by filling us with the Holy Spirit. He does so by filling us with the Holy Spirit. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at this passage, John chapter 14. I want to look at the fact that Jesus promises to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And I want to show us three gifts that are available to us today. So Jesus says this. He says in verse 15, uh, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And actually, let's stop right there because that's that's kind of an interesting way to kind of start off this entire passage, right? Because that's a pretty tall order. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's like, wow. So that's, that's how he determines his love for us, is our ability to keep his commandments. It kind of reminds me of elsewhere in, in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. And I wish we could kind of ignore those things because that's, like I said, that's a really tall order. Well, we can't ignore this, especially because Jesus says the same thing a couple more times here in this passage. In verse 20 and 21, he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then again in verse 23, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. So here we see Jesus doesn't let up on this. Now why is that? Well, it's because Jesus wants the best for us. He wants us to walk in ways that are true and beautiful and good. He wants us to reflect the life that he himself lived because he's the perfect one. He wants us to radiate the goodness of God to a lost and broken world. The problem, though, is we're pretty bad at it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of you are really good at it, but I'm pretty bad at it. (laughs) Let's just say I'm pretty awful at it. And the Bible calls this sin. And day after day, we fall short of being able to keep Jesus' commandments, which he tells us to do here. And so for Jesus here, when he says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments, man, like that doesn't feel much like a gift, but rather that feels like condemnation. But the gift is in this passage as well. Remember how I said that that there's both difficult things and also hope in here? Well, now let's turn to the hope because there's good news here in this passage. And the good news is this. Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just set this bar that's super high and unattainable and says, okay, good luck. Have fun with that. No, what Jesus does is he promises to give us the Holy Spirit. And he calls the Holy Spirit a helper. That same spirit who who lived in and indwelled and empowered and animated the life of Jesus is the same spirit who animates and empowers and lives in you and in me. Jesus says, I am sending to you a helper, one who will be with you forever You will know him, for he will dwell in you, and he will be in you. Isn't that amazing? You see, Jesus, like I said, he's not going to set forth this this impossible task without equipping us with the ability to, to accomplish it. So he gives us someone who will come alongside us. He gives you someone who will coach you, who empowers you, who enables you for the journey. So... Many, many years ago, when I was uh, about 18 or so, 
uh, I signed up before college to, to go do this 14-day wilderness excursion at a place called Honey Rock. Some of you may uh, be familiar with Honey Rock. And I, I'll be honest, I did not go to this thing happy. Uh, my mom basically had to convince me, uh, and the Holy Spirit, which that's another story. Um, but I didn't want to go spend 14 days in the middle of nowhere, away from electricity and plumbing and all of that, with, with 12 other guys, and just go hiking through uh, the wilderness. But anyway, like I said, I did. And I remember getting there to this camp, and, and they uh, dropped us off in the middle of the field. There was no building in sight. And what we had to do, first of all, when we first arrived there, was empty out all of our luggage onto the field. And then our counselors would come up, and they would kind of kick their feet through our stuff. It was, it was a little humiliating, to be honest. Uh, they would kind of kick through our stuff and be like, yeah, that's going to be junk. That's useless. You've got way too much of this. And they would start to, like, pare down our items and take away some of it. And then for some folks, they would even replace some things. Like one of my buddies, he had these, these boots there. They looked kind of like cowboy boots. And one of the counselors looked at it and said, that's not going to be helpful on this uh, wilderness trip at all. And so he took away the boots, and then he gave him some good hiking boots. So anyway, after going through all of our gear and taking things and sort of rearranging things and paring stuff down, then we hit the road. And it was an awesome trip. So at the beginning of the trip, though, the guides... They were the ones who were reading the map. They were the ones who were first setting up the tents and, and building the fires for us. But as the days went on, they started to hand over those activities to us so that we were the ones who were pitching our own tents. And we were the ones who were building the fires, uh, sometimes even in the rain. They would teach us how to do that. And then they taught us how to read these topographical maps and, and many, many more things. But as the trip went off, uh, went on, we were steadily getting trained to do the same things that they were doing. And so by the end of the trip, we had the same skill level and the same ability as the counselors. And this was the adventure of a lifetime. Well, friends, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he has called each one of you into a magnificent adventure. This is something that is both difficult, filled with difficulties and joys. And if you're like me, there's a lot of junk that's in your bag. But friends, you are not alone. He's giving you a helper. He's giving you a guide. He's giving you a counselor. Someone who sifts through all of, all of your junk, who takes out the stuff um, that is unfitting, who replaces the stuff with even better stuff, and then looks you in the eye and says, let's do this. Let's go forward. Let's do this adventure. And then he trains us to become more and more like Jesus. So friends, my first point is this, is that you have a helper in the Holy Spirit. Well, secondly, in the Holy Spirit, you also have a home. You also have a home, not just a helper, but a home. Did you hear in verse 18, that beautiful phrase, Jesus says to us, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And then in verse 23, he says, we, that is the, the father and the son, we will come to you. And we will make our home with you. You see, friends, as the Holy Spirit fills you, as the Holy Spirit teaches you, you are brought into the fellowship of God. And that, that is such a mystery. That is such a beauty. It almost feels just offensive and blasphemous to say, but there it is. There in the scriptures. God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, makes his home with us. Now, friends, for some of you, you might, you might hear that word home, and you might think, oh, man, that is, that is not a good place for me. That is not a good thing. You might be confused by that phrase. 
You might immediately start feeling your palms get sweaty when you think of home. And I haven't heard all of your stories, obviously, with this being uh, done on a screen or through the internet. You know, I, I haven't heard all of your, your stories, but I have, I have heard some of, their, uh, some of yours. And I know that for some of you, growing up, home was not a piece of place, or a, a, a place of peace. Rather, it was a place of danger, a, a place of insecurity, a, a place of judgment, a place that was not safe. And so even today, this is not a situation in which you want to return to. But friends, as a minister in God's kingdom, as your pastor, I want to assure you that our Father in heaven has a good home for you. He has a good, good home for you. You see, in the Holy Spirit, you have a home in God. You have a good father. You have a good father who desires your health and your wholeness, who wants to give you good gifts. In fact, the prophet Zephaniah says that he sings over you with gladness. He's not ashamed of you. Your father sings over you with gladness. And also in this home, you have a good older brother in Christ Jesus. And even now, do you know what Jesus is doing? He is in heaven. He is in the throne room of heaven praying for you, seeking your guidance, fighting battles, for, or seeking, seeking guidance for you. He's fighting battles for you. This is your older brother who sets a table for you where there is always more than enough food, as we talked about last week, where Jesus nourishes you at that table with his very presence. You have an older brother who loves being with you. So friends, in the Holy Spirit, you are brought into a warm, good, and peaceful home. So that's my second point. And my third point actually flows from this. So uh, the third point is this. You also have a good family in the church through the Holy Spirit. Now, if we were to go through this passage and count all the instances of the word you, there's 31 of them. There's 31 times in which Jesus directs this, this, his words to us. He says you 31 times. And I, again, I wish we could go uh, into every single one of those instances and, and talk about each of these. But here are just a couple. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will help you remember all the things that I've said to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. You see, friends, all throughout this sermon, there are waves after waves of loving promises that Jesus speaks to all of his followers. Now, some of us have been taught to read our Bibles as if it's, it's Jesus speaking only individually to, to, to me, as if it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You know, and so we hear these things and we think that Jesus is speaking just to us. But in reality, Jesus is speaking in the plural. The, the, the you there is, is in the plural. He's speaking to an entire community. He's speaking to all of the believers. And as I mentioned earlier, these you statements apply to all of us here now today throughout the generations. In other words, Jesus is speaking to a family. You see, friends, in the Holy Spirit, you have a beautiful, good family. Just as God is our father and Jesus is our elder brother, beyond that, you have many, many more brothers and sisters in the Holy Spirit. We are not orphans alone, but we are brothers and sisters together, together. 
So earlier this week, I had the pleasure of, of meeting with a, a, a family uh, who has some questions about our church, has questions about restoration, and they have a, a sweet little uh, newborn, and so they also had some questions about baptism and stuff like that, and it, and it reminded me of our baptism liturgy, which um, I love, and one of the parts that I love, you've heard me talk about this so many times, but it's that part in the baptism liturgy. Right after the family uh, uh, of, of an infant or an adult makes vows of baptism, I then turn to the congregation and I say, well, all of you who are witnessing your, these vows do everything in your power to love and support these people in their walk in faith. And then you, the congregation, respond by saying, we will. And I just love that moment because it's a moment of family. It's a moment of reminding us that we are spiritually bound together in the Holy Spirit to love and encourage and support one another. And so what I said to this family who I was uh, meeting with is I just bragged on you, Restoration. I bragged on you really hard. And I told this family, I said, I can't wait to introduce you to this church. I hate the pandemic that's going on right now because I can't introduce all of you together. Because there is a beautiful family that just seeks to meet and be with one another all over again. And I've seen you do this time and time again, just seeing you be family to one another. I've seen you provide meals to, to folks who just had a, a baby or are going through a tough time. I've seen you help each other move. I've seen you uh, help one another find jobs. We've been able to, to collect funds and then redistribute funds to people in need during all of this coronavirus stuff. I've also seen you petition the Lord on one another's behalf, check in with one another, see how one another doing all the time. We are a family who are constantly praying for the sick, who are praying for justice in our, in our midst, who are praying for the healing of one another. And of course, our family is not perfect. Uh, just like every other family, we ourselves are messy. But because we are people of the cross, we are people who, who follow after the forgiving Lord, we ourselves know that we have access to the Holy Spirit who redeems and restores every relationship. We have the tools for forgiveness and reconciliation. We are a family bound together by the Holy Spirit. So friends, again, we have three beautiful gifts in the Holy Spirit. And there's many, many more that we could talk about and we will be talking about. But today, I just want to focus on these three gifts that we have in the Holy Spirit. You have a helper. You have a counselor for the journey who equips and empowers you. You have a home in God with a father who delights over you and an older brother who loves having you at the table. And then you have a family in the church with many, many brothers and sisters who are in your corner who are supporting and praying for you. So friends, with that in mind, please pray with me. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are the Lord, the giver of life. I pray that you would give us that abundant life that has been promised through Jesus Christ. Lord, may you give us more and more of your life. Fill us indeed with your grace. May you form us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.